Happy Monday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, contact Artisan Botanicals. They have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So if you have any questions about these products or their health benefits, 405-458-9699. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you order online. abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW at checkout, and you'll save 15%. Again, that is abotanicalcompany.com. Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. All right, I hope everybody had a great weekend. Hope all of you mothers out there had a great Mother's Day. Uh, I got a funny story about my Mother's Day. So yesterday... I'm making the calls, you know, telling everybody in my life, happy Mother's Day. So I call my stepmom, and as I dial the number, my son's sitting next to me because he wants to wish her a happy Mother's Day as well, and uh, the phone doesn't ring, and it goes to that message like this number is no longer in service or whatever it says exactly. So, like, that's weird. I must have, maybe I, you know, I didn't know what had happened. Maybe it was a bad connection. So I try it again immediately same message. So, you know, I, I look at the number, I open up the the contact info to make sure like I, I wasn't uh, somehow a different number didn't get put in there. Um, it's and everything seems to be in order. So I end up calling my dad and I'm like, hey, uh, it's Mother's Day. We were, you know, trying to get a hold of my stepmom to wish her happy Mother's Day. I said, uh, does did, did something happen to her phone? And he goes, oh, yeah, she changed her number uh, not too long ago. I guess you didn't get the new one. And I was like, no, I, I had no idea about this. And I was like, what happened? So he tells me that apparently she had been included in a family text message that she wanted no part of. So I, I don't know if this had anything to do with not knowing how to get out of a group message or if she was just so fed up, she just didn't want that portion of the family to have her number but she changed her phone number to get out of a group message, with which I thought was just a boss move on her part. So we've all been a part of those family tech group text messages that, you know, it's just so frustrating because your phone keeps going off and you don't really have anything to contribute, nor do you necessarily care to read what's being discussed, but you're somehow included in this thing. And uh, I just, I thought it was awesome. I got a great kick out of the fact that she completely changed her number to avoid being a part of this family group text. So uh, happy new years to uh, all of you mothers. And if you are uh, in a family that annoys you with group text messages, the precedent has been set. Go change your phone number. All right. We have a big fight today. Uh, It is me against allergies. Um, I don't know about you guys. I woke up today and my eyes have been watering all day. My ears and my throat have been itchy. Uh, I feel like my head is just swimming. Uh, it's been a brutal, brutal day so far. I even text Mike Steely after my, uh, Tulsa sports animal segment every Monday. It's like, sorry if I sound uh, terrible, but the allergies are really kicking my ass today. So anyway, I'm fighting that war. Um, but I feel like I'm, uh, I was held down. I was losing the early rounds, but I feel like I'm on the comeback now. So, uh, gonna defeat these allergies today on this Monday. Um, few things I wanted to hit today. Uh, it's not going to be a long show today, but, uh, few things I wanted to hit. We are very close to the NBA regular season finally coming to an end. 
it's crazy to me that we are in this abbreviated year. It's not a full regular schedule, but it feels like this NBA season has lasted longer than any other NBA season. And I started thinking, like, why has my interest overall in the NBA been down? Uh, Because, again, like when the NBA fired back up last year, remember, the NBA was at the center of the COVID shutdown with Rudy Gobert in Oklahoma City. It all fell apart, and then they, you know, they create the the bubble in uh, Orlando, and I, I thought the basketball played in Orlando was outstanding. Maybe some of that had to do with the fact that it was like a, let's play a few games, and then we're playing playoff basketball, so there was more urgency. Maybe it was also the fact that all the bad teams were left at home. Uh, but, but whatever the reason was, I thoroughly enjoyed the basketball that was played in the bubble last year. And I thoroughly enjoyed the NBA playoffs and, and everything that we witnessed a year ago. But for whatever reason, um, you know, I was thinking about this. I, I, I just haven't been able to get completely into this NBA season. So I started to consider why. Like, what is the reason why I, I don't feel as excited about this thing? And I came up with a few things. Number one... I think we've reached this point in sports where fans are starting to come back in a lot of different sports. We're starting to see fans, whether it's full capacity or limited capacity, we're starting to see people inside these buildings. And, you know, I think for some sports, it was really interesting to see what they looked like and how you kind of soaked them in without having the crowd cheers or boos or whatever. And look, for some sports, I I think it was in some ways, even better, because I think it just gave you a different element of the sport to appreciate. I'll say this, though. There is nothing like a big moment in sports and having people inside that building reacting to what's going on. And I'll give you a great example over the weekend. On Saturday night, Canelo Alvarez is fighting Billy Joe Saunders in a massive boxing match at AT&T Stadium. I think they said the number was something like 73 to 75,000 people in there. It was an incredible show, and I think it was the eighth round. You know, it was a close fight. Canelo was leading the fight, but it, it, was, it was closer than most people felt like it should have been. And in the eighth round, Canelo starts landing some big shots. And as he's landing big shots, you know, he's getting the, the crowd fired up and the place is just losing their minds. Every every big shot he lands, the place just goes nuts. I had goosebumps watching it just from the crowd reaction to Canelo Alvarez big moments. And that's what I think a lot of times makes some of these sporting events so special is just the the, the verbal appreciation that you hear from the fan base over a big moment like that. And, and I think in the NBA, that's been completely lost this year. Not having that element whatsoever, I think, has really dulled some of the exciting moments that, that we've seen throughout this season. And look, I think within a game, sometimes you get one of those exciting moments. It gets the crowd fired up. It gets the team fired up. And that's how you get some of these momentum swings. So, you know, I think within games, we haven't seen nearly as many momentum swings as we normally would. If you're a team that's down by 20 and your fan base is like, come on, get this thing together, it kind of feels like, you know, they help you or maybe they they force you to step up your game. And in this setting, it, it doesn't feel like that's part of it. It just kind of feels like, okay, you know, this one has gotten away. Uh, we're just going to cruise control to the end. There's nobody there to boo you if it goes that way. So, I don't know. I think the fans, for me... 
even though it wasn't a big part of my interest in the bubble and I thought the bubble was awesome, I, I think over the course of this regular season, it's played a big role in uh, my lack of interest in the NBA. Number two, um, I, I think just the overall defense in the NBA has just disappeared. I, I'm not going to sit here and, and try and say that I want to see a bunch of defensive games. I don't want to see a bunch of 89-87 type basketball games. I don't want to see 93-91 type basketball games. I do want to see scoring, but I want to see scoring with the idea that there is some sort of resistance. And I, I don't necessarily get the feeling that anybody on any given night is facing much resistance. I kind of feel like we've, you know, again, maybe you're just not held accountable for the defense because there's nobody there in the building to get upset when you give up layups or when you don't hustle to the other end. I, Again, I don't. I, maybe this is in some way linked to the fact that there are no fans in the building, but... You know, sometimes defense is about effort and it's about want to. And sometimes, you know, I think the crowd cheering and, you know, getting excited about you potentially getting that momentum going can can make a team as a whole step up their defensive effort. So once again, maybe it points back to the first thing I mentioned with the fans, but across the board, defense has just been atrocious this season. And all you have to do is just look at the offensive numbers league-wide. I mean, Offensive numbers league-wide is astronomical through the roof. Um, I mean, we're seeing, you know, offenses score at a rate that we've never seen before in the history of the NBA. And while I am willing to say that, you know, the three-point line and people working on their shot and analytics and trying to, you know, play this up-tempo brand of basketball where you're shooting more threes, like, obviously, that's going to inflate the numbers. But I think it's also, you pair that, with the lack of defensive effort, and that's why it's it's jumped as much as it has. Uh, so, again, I, it's not like I want to see a bunch of defensive shutouts, but I do want to see or or feel like at any given possession in a game, there will be some resistance against the team that's trying to score, and I don't currently feel that way. The next thing I think is urgency. Um uh, you know, again, referencing the bubble, it was a situation where they got things fired back up, and I felt like for most of the teams, and the, and the Lakers were probably one of the exceptions, but for most of the teams, they felt uh, a lot of urgency, like, immediately. You had to kind of regain that chemistry, you had to hit the ground running, and you had to perform immediately when they started things back up in the bubble. I feel like throughout this entire regular season of the NBA... The fact that uh, there, you know, are so many teams making the postseason. There's not really any immediate need for anybody to to play at this, you know, rabid pace. There's not this immediate like urgency to get into the postseason. I mean, the majority of teams that show up and play 500 basketball or worse are going to have their opportunities. It's you know, it's uh, I, I think that. When we get to this this play-in tournament, I think that action will be really good. I, I think I will enjoy watching that. But I, my question is, what is the cost of having that? And I think the cost is significantly worse regular season basketball, which is a disappointment because I feel like the regular season needs more urgency, not less. And I feel like that's what this play-in tournament has done. I think it's given teams more of a you know safety net 
uh, below them. More, you know, more chances to lose games or to wait to turn it on till later because you're still going to have an opportunity to get uh, your chance to play for a postseason berth. And, you know, I, I think that, again, just is one more indication of why this regular season has not been as good. Uh, the next thing, I feel like we've seen more stars miss time, whether it's just sitting or injuries or whatever it is. We've seen more NBA stars miss periods of time this year than I feel like we've ever seen. I don't know the numbers on this. I should probably do a little research um, as far as the high-end players and games missed and all that, but it wasn't too long ago that I was having, you know, a bunch of MVP discussions with with people, and, you know, everybody had a different idea as to where their MVP vote would go because so many guys have missed time, and uh, it, it, it yeah, it's... I, I don't think we've ever seen this many high-end players miss as much time as guys have missed this season. And look, another big reason for that is the fatigue. I think players are worn out. I think players are exhausted. Once again, for the for the teams and the players that made deep runs in the bubble, you know, they were they were in that thing for months. Uh and and then you take the month or month and a half off, whatever it was total, you have a shorter offseason than you've ever had. And although you're not playing 82 games in this regular season, the season has been a grind for these guys more than it, it normally is because of COVID testing, because you have to show up to everything hours early to get your test and make sure that you're not positive. And, you know, it's, I think the whole thing has been a grind. I think the overall energy level of the majority of NBA players is way down from where it normally is. Guys, I think are tired of, of playing. I think they're tired of the process of, having to get tested every day. And, you know, it's it's just been, a, it didn't even really feel like we had much of an off season. So for as much as, you know, we're talking about some of these guys having the opportunity to recharge their batteries, I don't know how many people actually were able to recharge their batteries completely before the season started again. And then you add to the fact that even though you're playing less games, it almost feels like you're contributing more of your time, effort, and energy into just showing up and doing all the things that you can do so that you can play basketball. So this isn't a, you know, poor NBA players type thing. I, I think it's just evaluating what the situation is and why I think some of these NBA games just haven't really done it for me. So, you know, I think it'll be a nice break uh, in terms of the NBA once they finish this season and allowing everybody to kind of readjust and getting things going again next year. Uh, but I definitely do think that uh, it's being felt not just from the fans, but I think the players are feeling this as well. All right, I want to talk um, NFL Draft 2022, college football 2021. We just watched five quarterbacks get taken in the first round of this NFL Draft, and I look at next year's class, and I'm really intrigued by this group, and I think the style of football, you know, that we're seeing played at the NFL level that looks more like the college level every year is putting more focus on the quarterbacks that can potentially come out of nowhere and all of a sudden you're Trey Lance or, you know, to a lesser degree, Mac Jones. He's more of the traditional quarterback, but, you know, the reason I'm talking about him is because a year ago nobody was talking about Mac Jones as an NFL draft pick and then he becomes a first-round pick. Uh, so... I look at this uh, this next quarterback class, and uh, while you know a year out, it may not look necessarily like there are guaranteed five guys. I think there are like fifteen dudes 
that I could ultimately see get drafted as far as this college football class. And look, I think it starts with Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler plays for Lincoln Riley. Obviously, with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts being starting quarterbacks in the NFL, this is the next guy in line. NFL teams are seeing the success that those guys have had, and I don't think any of the same question marks about those guys will be asked nearly as much uh, about Spencer Rattler. So, um, you know, there's a proven track record there with, with Lincoln Riley's offense, with these guys going from Lincoln Riley's offense to the NFL and having success. And I think you look at the arm ability, just the overall, just the football part of it. We watched this guy improve tremendously throughout last year from game one until the bowl game. I thought Spencer Rattler took giant steps the whole way. I I thought he just got better and better and better and better uh, through, you know, at times, not a lot of help through his receiving core. So this is a guy that I think is going to have a monster year. Let's not forget OU is the favorite to win the Big 12 again. They are, I think, a favorite to be in the college football playoff. Like, this is one of those championship or bust type years. If they're not in that mix, if they're not in that conversation, something has gone massively wrong. So I think you're talking about a guy that has not only the the big spotlight going into this year. I mean, the stage is yours. You go have success. Um, it's, It's all in front of you. But... He also has history on his side with the three guys that are about to start on Sundays this season. So Spencer Rattler for me is the no brain number one guy. If I'm, if I'm projecting a year out now, that's not to say that, uh, you know, maybe there are personality issues there that teams, you know, come across and don't like, I mean, that's always a possibility. We see the draft process every year from the end of the season in January until the actual draft. We see it all over the place. Guys values rise and fall and rise and fall and maybe fall and fall and fall or, you know, rise, rise, rise. Like it's, it's all over the place. So uh, I, I, you know, it's hard to speak on the off field stuff, but Spencer Rattler just in terms of what he accomplished on the football field a year ago, what the team around him looks like this year, the skill set, all of that. If I had to bet on who the first quarterback taken next year would be today, my bet would be Spencer Rattler. You know, another guy that that obviously everybody loves and is going to be highly focused on this year is Sam Howell out of UNC. He loses a lot of offensive weapons. De'Ami Brown was drafted. Daz Newsom was drafted. Both of his running backs, Javante Williams and Michael Carter were drafted. So, Loses a lot of weapons, but when you watch this guy throw, I mean, there is a lot like Baker Mayfield. There's this quality about when he releases the football and uh, it just feeling different than everybody else that you watch. So I think he does have extremely special arm talent. Now, is he Spencer Rattler? I, I, I don't think so, but I don't think he's necessarily far off. I think the ability is there. He, I, I just don't know that... He plays in an offense this year, losing all those weapons that's uh, going to allow him to to maybe reach his full potential this year. But he's he's really high on the list as well. Uh, Keaton Slovis out of US, USC is one of those guys that just looks looks the part, has all the intangibles. Um, you know, I still want to see him kind of take that next step. We've seen signs of him, but look, sometimes just seeing the signs that he could be a good quarterback is enough. This happened with Sam Darnold, right? Like, Sam Darnold was never polished as, as some of the other guys that come out of college and become first-round picks, but there were those moments at USC where you could tell, like, this guy's got some really special ability, we just didn't ever see it put together consistently. I think that's maybe where Slovis is. Um, 
you know, this obviously playing a full season this year will really help us get a better idea of where he's at. But uh, I think he's a guy also that would be have a ton of focus going into this year as a potential big time quarterback prospect next year. Then I think you kind of reach this next level of guys that it's like more potential maybe than like what we're actually seeing or what we've seen to this point. Um, I saw a mock draft the other day that had JT Daniels, the, the the guy who's going to be starting at Georgia this year as the number one overall pick. And I'm not going to say that's necessarily crazy. Uh, look, the guy was a recruit to USC. He started for USC. Slovis then gets the job after you know a bunch of stuff happened and, and he goes to Georgia. He's going to be in a really good offense. He's going to have the opportunity to make a bunch of big plays. So it wouldn't surprise me to see JT Daniels stock soar this season in that Georgia offense. Uh, but, you know, a year out, I don't quite put him in the same tier as the guys I already mentioned. Um, I've heard a lot of talk about Malik Willis uh, from Liberty, who's an Auburn transfer and, you know, a guy that uh, I think most people felt like was going to probably have a, a P5 type career. But, you know, he ends up at Liberty. Um He's a guy that already, as you know, I talked about number one pick in a mock draft. He was the number one pick in another mock draft for next year that I've seen. Um, he's one of those, I haven't seen him play. Uh, I know who he is. Obviously, I've seen like the the highlights and, and some of the skill set, but I, I don't feel comfortable necessarily talking about where I think he is compared to the other guys right now because I've just not seen much of him. But uh, he is a guy that that is on the radars, so maybe a guy to pay attention to if you get a chance to watch Liberty this year, uh, Malik Willis. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati is another, you know, I think, again, on a separate tier, but a guy that has a ton of upside. And when you look at the skill set that the NFL is looking for now, this is a guy that I think has the potential to really develop his game over the course of next season and be in that conversation. Uh, Jaden Daniels from Arizona State is a guy that really impressed a year ago. Um, I, I I wasn't very familiar with him coming into the season last year, uh, but, you know, all of a sudden, it's like this kid from Arizona State is making plays on a weekly basis. Uh, that's another name to consider. Uh, how about Carson Strong from Nevada? This is another guy that... Uh, Maybe if you're not uh, if you're not watching a lot of non-power five football, you're not aware of. But Carson Strong from Nevada is certainly a guy that could be a you know a Carson Wentz or a Trey Lance that uh, you know has a good season. You don't necessarily see him much on on college football Saturdays because he doesn't play at a big school. But uh, I do think that a lot of people like his skill set. Uh, I got into an uh, not an argument necessarily, but a conversation on Twitter about a week ago about this one. Emory Jones from Florida. So PFF put out a mock draft for next year, a top 10, and they had Emory Jones listed. Um, I Look, I, I don't think Emory Jones for me is on that tier right now. Uh, I think that we need to see a lot of development from him. But the statement, I think, was made something along the lines of zero chance Emory Jones is a top 10 pick. And look, I don't think the chance is high necessarily, but to say it's zero, I think is completely inaccurate. Number one, because he plays at Florida, so a lot of people are going to see this guy. Number two, the skill set is there. It's not like he doesn't have the tools to be successful, and he's really young. You know, it's not like we've seen, you know, Kellen Mond is a really good example of this. We watched Kellen Mond play at at Texas A&M for four seasons. He kind of was what he was, right? Like, by by the time we got to the end, 
Like, there was no longer, like, this hope that maybe he develops into something else. He was what he was. And, you know, again, the tools were there, the physical ability was there, but it never really turned into anything more than that. I don't know that Emory Jones is going to turn into a great quarterback, but he's never been a full-time starter. The skill set is there. We'll see if he develops into that this year. It's certainly possible. Um, so I don't necessarily rule him out of being that, but as of right now, would I bet on him being in that that conversation? I, I would say no. Um, the the Texas Tech kid, Tyler Show from Oregon, the, tra- the Oregon transfer, is a really interesting player to watch this year. Um, he was a guy that, you know, a year ago was on a lot of watch lists to potentially be an NFL first round pick and he transfers in conference. So we're going to get to see him up close and personal, but that would be a name I would circle. Uh, same thing for Brock Purdy at Iowa state. Um, you know, I think those guys, especially with Purdy probably on another level below the names I just mentioned, but, um, there is that possibility. Uh, Tanner Morgan from Minnesota, is a guy to to maybe pay attention to as well. Um, I don't I don't like his upside maybe as much as some of these other guys, but uh, you know he's he's a guy to pay attention. Matt Corral, Ole Miss. I really liked watching Matt Corral at Ole Miss last year. He's just a playmaker. Um, he he doesn't necessarily have the best quarterback tools uh, of any of these guys that I mentioned, but there's something to be said for just making big plays. And and I feel like he's just one of those gamers. When the lights come on, uh, he just, he finds a way to get it done. So he's a guy I'm a fan of. And then the last guy I'll leave you with, and, and look, there are a lot more guys than this that uh, I'm paying attention to, but I just wanted to give you a few that, uh, that are toward the top of the list. Uh, Phil Jerkovic from, or I've actually heard his name said several different ways. Um, I've heard it said Jerjevic. Uh, Jerkovic, Jerkovic, uh, anyway, uh, the Boston College quarterback, uh, I'm going to say Jerkovic because that's the, the last time I heard it said, that was the way it was said. So he's another guy that I think has a lot of potential. He's a Notre Dame transfer. Um, I think he, he's, he's more polished in the passing game than, you know, some of the Notre Dame quarterbacks we've seen recently. Um, so, you know, they had Ian book, Ian book was there for a while. Uh, I thought Ian book was a good college quarterback, not a great one, but a good one. Uh, Notre Dame knew that, that Ian book was good enough to, to win them games. Uh, so that was the way they went. Um, I always felt like Jerkovic had much higher upside. He goes to Boston college. He's the guy, uh, he would be a name I would highlight as well. Pay attention to him. Cause I think he could be one of those dudes that, you know, this time of year from now, we're like, wow, he really you know, some might say came out of nowhere, but really gained a lot of traction and uh, turned himself into an NFL prospect. So uh, I, I really like this uh, this quarterback class. I think in, in college football, again, because we're seeing the NFL game change so much and, you know, the gap between what type of football is being played in the college game to the NFL game is is smaller than it's ever been the list of these guys, I feel like just grows every year. It just feels like there are so many more quarterbacks now that you can say, maybe if things, you know, go the right way, this guy turns into an NFL player. And, you know, like it, it was, it wasn't that long ago, two or three years ago that I, I, I felt like that list was very short every year because it just, you know, it felt like you really had to have the arm first. And if you didn't have the arm, you know, regardless of what other tools you had, it probably wasn't going to work out for you. But 
we've seen we've seen that kind of proved wrong in the NFL these last few years. So I think it just kind of opens the door for more prospects to potentially wow NFL personnel, and uh, it only takes one guy feeling like you're the right fit, Trey Lance to San Francisco, and uh, all of a sudden you're a first round draft pick. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this college football season, finally getting another full year of college football back. And uh, I will, uh, a little bit later this summer, I'll do a, a, a full list of the college quarterbacks that I really like and, and expectations for how their seasons may go in their NFL futures. But I uh, just wanted to give you 10 or 12 or however many I, I just mentioned um, as you know, we see a lot of these 2022 year-out NFL mock drafts. So... There you go. All right, that is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with these products or their benefits, don't hesitate to to reach out to Artisan Botanicals, 405-458-9699. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you order online. I always order online. It's really easy. abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, COLBYSHOW, for 15% off your order. abotanicalcompany.com, Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Everybody, have a great day. Stay safe. Beat those allergies, people. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.